Well, welcome to the Price Fall Podcast. We are so, so happy to have Dr. Cameron Sapa of the Maximus Tribe here with us today. Uh, you're most known as Cam, so we'll just call you Cam, but you are a doctor and I'd love to go over your background. Uh, we could take this in so many directions because you are such a well-respected uh, individual and personality on Twitter and on the internet and, and in many communities. So Cam, welcome aboard. Thank you very much. I've uh, been a big fan of Price Plow for many years, and so it's awesome to be able to do this podcast with you guys. Thank you. So I, I guess let's just start off with a, with a brief background. Many people who follow you know your background, but many people in the, the sports nutrition supplement industry don't. So let's let's quickly talk about your background and then get right into what you're doing, because I think a lot of our followers are going to love what you have for them. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have a, a interesting background. I'm actually a clinical psychologist by training, and I have a fellowship training in behavioral medicine. So I've always essentially worked at the intersection of psychology and medicine, being really interested in sort of mind body. Um, and so um, I did that. And as soon as I actually finished uh, my training, I really decided to become a healthcare entrepreneur. So I moved out to Silicon Valley uh, over a decade ago and helped start a company called Omada Health, uh, which is basically an online weight loss program to help people prevent diabetes and heart disease. So that's actually what I was doing in hospital settings. And I wanted to scale that to millions of people. Um, so that's my, that's my background. I'm essentially a clinician scientist. So I'm someone who publishes scientific papers, but also a clinician that has uh, basically treated people for over a decade. Um, and I'm also an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at the UCSF School of Medicine. So I train the next generation of doctors in uh, the sense of uh, psychiatrists in evidence-based treatments. So I come from sort of like the old school healthcare world. Um, but you know, the, the nice thing about sort of being in Silicon Valley is I get to be on the cutting edge of innovation, uh, as well. And so now I, I run a new company called Maximus, which I'm happy to tell you guys all about. It's a consumer telemedicine company for men's health and hormone optimization. Um, and then my background actually is I, I was a competitive athlete. So I ran competitively, um, from 800 meters to 5k for many years. So actually, um, and now I'm a big time lifter, lift five days a week. So um, I've always actually followed the sports uh, nutrition and supplement industry actually very closely uh, with folks like Patrick Arnold, who I just talked to the other day, um, and obviously following you guys. So that's kind of the intersection of how we got connected, obviously, uh, and then love to talk a little bit more about how sort of my company sort of straddles the, the, uh, the supplement and the med medical sort of industry as well. Excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, in my opinion, we could talk about some of your expertise. You've had some, like, I would just say, and in the show notes and in um, like the YouTube description, we'll link to it. You've had some legendary Twitter threads talking about mindset. Like I, I love a lot of the stuff you've done. Um, and so we'll have those linked. I, I really, honestly, I would like to jump right into the to hormone optimization stuff. Um, speak to our users about what the problems are out there and how you could fix them versus some of the, the other ways of, of you know, fixing hormone problems that, that men traditionally have, let's just get right into it. And then, um, and talk about how that differs from what you're doing with, with Maximus. I, I, I you mentioned Maximus, I mentioned like Maximus tribe is what kind of what I call it. So it seems like you have a community thing as well. So would love to get into that, but I, let's just, I, I would love to just jump right into hormones. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, my research actually, when I did my doctorate at UCLA was in a field called psychoneuroimmunology and also psychoneuroendocrinology which is basically how does the mind influence the immune system, which is obviously critical in the COVID era, uh, and also the endocrine system, which is the system that's responsible for our whole hormone production. And I got really interested in the hormonal side of things because of two reasons is one sort of, you know, psychiatry has taken a very neurotransmitter approach to things like the most common 
antidepressant medications or SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. There's always been this very almost stupidly simplistic theory of the what's called the monoamine hypothesis, meaning, meaning that if you're low in serotonin, then that's responsible for your depression. Obviously, the research hasn't actually like really borne that out. The, the really like mental health is much more complicated. It's really a biopsychosocial phenomenon, meaning that there's probably a genetic and physiological aspect. There's obviously a psychological aspect. And there's a social aspect as well. And we're highly influenced by, by our environment. So just like ramping up people's serotonin is probably not the answer. And one area that I thought was actually very underappreciated was, well, what about hormones? Because hormones influence uh, many different things, including our, our, our brain function as well. And I got particularly interested in it when I heard this statistic that testosterone levels have declined 50% over the last 50 years. And so if sperm count is also just, uh, uh, dropped 50% in the last 50 years, and I being a scientist, I was like, ah, this, this sounds like nonsense. So I actually went and found the original scientific paper, looked at other scientific papers, and I was like, well, epidemiologically, this is true. It, it actually does seem to be plummeting uh, over time. And then the question is really why? This is a pretty dramatic uh, uh, phenomenon. And it, it almost coincides in, in some sense, the similar phenomenon that we see in terms of the rise of obesity and diabetes. And that's a field I've been working in for a decade. And I've been, you know, trying to curb the spread of that, uh, obviously through OMADA. Um, and a lot of this has essentially happened in the span of like one to two generations, right? America was nowhere near as fat as you go back to like the 1970s compared to 2020. So that's actually a major driver of it. Just obesity and metabolic syndrome is a huge driver in why hormones are going down. And the reason for that is the body fat, the extra belly fat in particular, the beer belly that guys carry has an, an enzyme called aromatase in it. And aromatase essentially converts testosterone to estradiol or one of the main estrogens. And so literally the more body fat that you carry, you're converting your precious testosterone into estrogen and you're becoming literally less masculine, more feminine. And it's sort of disrupting sort of the hormone balance. So that's a big uh, factor in it. But interestingly, even when the scientists try to control for obesity, meaning statistically to try to adjust for obviously guys are heavier these days, they still find that hormone levels are going down and sperm count is going down. And the other um, factor is one, like as we talked about in terms of psychological health, depression is a big factor. Depression is uh, corresponds with inflammation and it also uh, uh, disrupts the endocrine system. So people, the rates of depression obviously going up, uh, disrupt testosterone. And then finally, there's this even more pernicious factor in terms of endocrine disrupting chemicals. So these are basically these everywhere chemicals that are literally in everything. So especially the water that we drink, a lot of the processed and packaged foods that we have come in plastics, and these plastics have microplastics that get you know uh, worn down and we consume them literally. Um, and uh, there's a lot of contamination essentially because we have chemicals everywhere. The nonstick pans that a lot of people use, whether in their cookware or their air fryer, the Teflon uh, you know, trickles into the food that you eat and contaminates us. And even a lot of the plastic bottles, bottled water has BPA. And even though they've gotten rid of BPA, they haven't gotten rid of BPS, which is another endocrine disrupting chemical. And all these chemicals are essentially xenoestrogens. They're essentially synthetic estrogens that mimic the function of estrogen in our body. And so when you're consuming it, the body's like, ah, you know, this is, this is functioning just like an estrogen and it's just disrupting our hormonal balance. So the interesting thing is that it's not only happening in humans, it's literally happening in dogs as well. Sperm down has been going down in dogs because they're consuming the same water, the same food that we are. And so that really kind of points to the evidence that this is also an environmental problem. So it's not just the obesity, it's not just the depression, 
but it's also sort of these endocrine disrupting chemicals that are polluted. And as a result of that, there's a great, you know, Forbes article that described this phenomenon was talking about, well, you're not the man your father was because his testosterone levels when he was your age were probably twice as high because quite frankly, they just ate cleaner, right? They're not eating 66% of their calories from ultra processed foods like we are these days. Unfortunately, that's the average American diet. Um, and also just the proliferation of plastics compared to 50 years ago is sort of ubiquitous, right? Like there is probably not a single supplement that you guys put out that does not use plastics, right? It's very, very rare. In fact, I'll give you an interesting example. This is from a company that we use and this is the supplement uh, that we actually provide, but this is a glass amber bottle. This is incredibly rare in the supplement industry. You almost never see glass bottles. Understandably so, it's expensive, it's heavy, adds shipping weight. Uh, but the fact that you know plastics are everywhere has, has made a big difference in terms of our hormone functioning. Um, and I thought it was essentially very sad, right? Like you have all these guys, guys like you and I, uh, that are doing our best. We're going to the gym every day. We're taking our creatine. We're working really hard, but it's almost like we're at a disadvantage. We have a handicap because if your dad's testosterone was twice as high as, as yours was, he's just going to have better gains, right? I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, my dad, you know, in his fifties, bigger biceps than I do now. And I'm like, why is that? Is it well, same genes, very similar genes anyway, at least I got half of his. But I think a big part of it, honestly, is that, yeah, we, we essentially have a hormonal handicap these days. Uh, and it's, and it's really like the public health tragedy that no one's talking about. Wow. Okay. I, I honestly thought you're going to go more down the food rabbit hole and you're going down more of the environmental, um, the, the onslaught I'm going to call it. Cause it seems to be everywhere. Uh, one last thing I, yeah, I've recently gone down the polyester rabbit hole and it's, yeah. it's no better there either. it's all in our clothes too. Microplastics everywhere. So we might need to dig into that. So when, when you started looking into this, what was your first response? Like, a lot of people want to throw supplements and drugs at it. Are you also, are you, are you first removing a lot of things? Are you like, what's your, what's the plan of attack? If someone is listening to this and they're just like, okay, this guy's really smart. We, we trust him. He's extremely credentialed. You've done the research. I'm overwhelmed with all the things that I have to do. Like, where do we even begin? So I really think it comes down to three things. So number one, you want to maintain a healthy level of body fat because that's the best thing in terms of maintaining your hormone function. Guys should generally target between 10 to 15% of their body fat, which is like uh, essentially having visible abs uh, is, is sort of a useful rule of thumb. Getting down to that, that point will make sure that you're at least you're setting yourself up physiologically to have optimal hormone function. So really like, you know, you don't need to be like bodybuilder level, like ripped or lean, which is like usually in the single digits doing any sort of crazy things. But for most people getting to 15% is actually quite achievable naturally. Um, it is probably optimal for hormonal health. So that's number one. Um, and a lot of that obviously just comes from the, the easiest way to do that is to reduce the amount of ultra processed foods that you're consuming. As I mentioned, two thirds of calories are coming from it. Um, realistically, I don't think it's possible to get down to hundred percent whole foods. It's a great like ideal but it's just not possible. In fact, if people are interested, I wrote a whole three-part series articles about this. It's called the cure for obesity and diabetes is processed food. And I took a very contrarian take saying, look, we're never going to get rid of processed food. We're never going to escape plastic. We can't be OCPD about it. So the idea is sure. Let's try to eat as much whole food as possible. Eat a little bit of minimally processed foods. We're talking about stuff like yogurt, butter, stuff that, you know, your ancestors essentially make, you can make it at home. Unlike a Cheeto, which comes out of a factory, nobody can make a Cheeto at home because it's this crazy chemical concoction that food scientists make um, versus like, you know, like uh, yogurt. I, I made kefir at home. It's not actually that hard, right? Um, 
So, and then you should be selective about the processed foods that you eat. So it's not saying um, don't ever eat anything with a nutritional label. That's by the way, how you know something's processed. Meat and produce don't have nutritional labels. You know, a steak is a steak and a banana is a banana. So if you're going to choose processed foods, uh, obviously be selective about it, you know, uh, in terms of what you're eating, it should be the minority, not the majority of foods. So that's, that's like tip number one, uh, is just try to get down to a reasonable level of body fat. Number two, as I mentioned, the, the, the goal is not to be OCD, OCPD and not touch plastics ever. It's basically unavoidable in modern life, but you want to at least do a couple things. Number one is drink filtered water. A lot of the contamination is actually coming from our water. And so I think it's a generally a good idea. Avoid bottled water, filter your water at the very minimum, use a Brita wilt filter. It's best to use reverse osmosis if you can, you know, finagle it. Um, but that, and obviously don't heat your stuff in plastics, right? It's particularly like the microwaving and heating stuff. Don't cook in Teflon pans, use good old cast iron. Uh, at most you're just going to get iron in your food, um, and try to use steel or glass in terms of storing your food. That's all you like really need to do. Like there, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's kind of unavoidable in our environment, unfortunately, but I'll give you an example. Like this is, a, this is actually a stainless steel water bottle, right? I'm not using glass or plastics. These little things I think can make a big difference. And then the third thing is uh, my kind of philosophy is look, we have to fight fire with fire. We're, we're getting sort of a chemical onslaught, unfortunately. And so there are stuff that you can do pharmacologically that can help get your testosterone levels to essentially where your dad and your grandfather was. And that really became the thesis for Maximus is sort of selective use of pharmacology in order to restore, you know, hormones back to where they should be and to get it to a level that's optimal in terms of your health and your performance. I love that um, the conjugation of how you talk about real life. Uh, uh, recently, we've seen an influencer come out. I don't know if you're aware of the Liver King or not, um, but obviously prolific. And I, 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 none of us, are, none of us are going to disagree with the things he has to say, right? But it's obviously not a realistic lifestyle for most people who work normal jobs. And so, one of the biggest questions that I wanted to ask you, which is a question that I ask a lot of biohackers or people in this general vein is like, how much of this lifestyle do you live 100% of the time? Because like you said, it's obviously impossible to escape all of it. Like when Mike and I travel, we are forced to eat at le some level of processed right. foods. And like, like after Mike's done months of carnivore, sometimes he'll get sick when he, we travel and we eat that kind of stuff. It's part of life. You can't plan everything. You can't hunt all of your food. Right. Um, and, and so I, I, your last point about kind of combating some of this with some supplements makes right. a lot of sense because it can bridge the gap for a lot of people. Yeah. Like I, I believe in the 80, 20 rule of the Pareto principle, which is like, look, 20% of your effort is really producing 80% of the results. And, and that I think allows us to avoid the perfectionism or being quite frankly, socially annoying. Right. The reality is like um, eating out is, is terrible for you. Like I, I actually still have a private practice. I work mostly with tech CEOs and the biggest thing that I try to do in terms of like their nutrition optimization, because they travel a lot is to get them to cook as much as possible um, or be very picky when they, when they go out to eat. Right. And, and Mike uh, probably believes as much as I do, right. Refined seed oils are a huge contributor to inflammation and a lot of the, 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 you know, damage that's happening metabolically. Right. But you go basically anytime you go out, unless you're specifically requesting that they're cooking it in butter or olive oil, which is a, like a great tip that I recommend to folks is anytime they're cooking any of your meat, you should tell them to cook it in, in butter or olive oil. Uh, tell them you're allergic to, to seed oils and that way they'll really do it because nobody wants a, an allergy, you know, out, outbreak or, or lawsuit essentially on their hands. Um, but otherwise they're, they're cooking it in soybean oils the number one uh, oil that's used in the restaurant industry. 
uh, along with canola oil, sapphire oil, uh, peanut oil, all these things that essentially never been cooked with uh, prior to 50 years ago because we didn't have chemical refinement of all these things. But look, does that mean you can never eat out ever? Of course not. All right. I eat out. Um, but there are tips and tricks. I'll give you another really good one. Um, McDonald's, which is never seen as obviously a health food restaurant, interestingly, never cooks their quarter pound patties in oil. They're 73 percent, um, uh, you know, uh, protein to fat and they just cook it in its own fat. So literally a McDonald's quarter pounder, it's fresh, never frozen, interestingly. Uh, and it's literally beef, salt and pepper. The only thing they add is salt and pepper. You can actually go, it's not on the menu, but it's on the uh, a la carte menu. If you tell the cashier, hey, I want a quarter pound patty, just the patty from the a la carte menu, it's $1.50 at most McDonald's everywhere. You can get four of them, which is a pound of cooked meat for $6.51 with tax. And it's a really good hack, uh, essentially when you're traveling and on the road, because you just get pure meat, no refined seed oils. It's like $6.50 uh, and it's a great sort of tip. So Little things like that can go a long way where it's like, sure, like it'd be great if you cooked all the time. It's great if you eat 100% whole foods, but realistically, it's not possible. All of us travel. All of us sometimes are just tired. We're human beings, right? And so I think just knowing these little things, and it's only 20% effort to tell the waiter to, you know, avoid the seed oils or to go to McDonald's versus some other restaurant. It literally is a McDonald's in every city and, you know, in the country. Um, but a lot of that will go a long way. And obviously, look, man, if you're going out and enjoying a meal, it's your anniversary, go and enjoy. Like if you're, if you're just, you know, uh, doing it right 80% of the time, you're probably doing it better than most people. Amen. You're speaking my language. I love that. And I uh, do the same thing here in Texas with Whataburger. We are going to quickly take a break. Ben's going to roast me because I didn't say today is February 2nd of 2022. So I had to get that in there. I always get after him. So you mentioned, and I love this, um, you mentioned it, you have to fight fire with fire. So let's say we've taken some of these, uh, we've taken some of these measures and we're, we're beginning to go down this road, go down this rabbit hole. We're starting to lift heavy. We're starting to do good. But fact is, middle-aged things are still happening and right. there's that train is slow to stop, you know? So what are, what, are, how do we fight fire with fire? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, there's a really interesting phenomenon, by the way. Um, so uh, there's, there's two declines in testosterone. There's one decline that's generational, right? As I mentioned, like a guy in 1970 had basically twice the testosterone as a guy does in 2020, given they're in the same age. The other interesting decline is there's a the decline in testosterone with age, right? So regardless of, of where, when you were born, um, people's testosterone tends to decline generally after their 20s, slowly, but surely as they get older. But here's the interesting thing. It's not inevitable, right? It's not, a, it's, it's not like aging where you can't avoid it. Like everyone gets like white hair eventually uh, and wrinkles and all that. Um, if you look at really healthy people, especially like top level, like Olympic athletes, and I actually talked to someone who was part of the Soviet sports program. They blood test all of their athletes. And they were talking about how a lot of these guys who are in their 60s, but they're like ex-Soviet Olympic athletes, still have the same testosterone levels they did in their 20s, right? So that's actually really good news in the sense that if you're in like the top, let's say five, 10% of folks, right? You're maintaining your body with fat, you're working out really hard, you're doing all the right things. It is actually possible to maintain high uh, testosterone levels well into your 60s. And in fact, we also know this too for fertility, right? Men, unlike women, can maintain their fertility into quite old age. If you're very, very healthy, you can father children into your 50s and 60s. Now, there are increased risks with advanced paternal age, but it's not inevitable decline. That this is the problem of what's called the error of the average. The average person absolutely goes down because the average person puts on at least one pound per year, which obviously means over 
you know, 50 years, you put on 50 pounds and you're pretty fat by the end of the time that you're old. But if you're guys like, you know, probably hopefully the guys listening to this podcast, there is a lot that you can do. So I think that's optimistic, good news, but you basically need to be exceptional in order to get exceptional results. So number one, I always advocate lifestyle first. That's actually fundamental to what, to what we're doing. In terms of fighting fire with fire though, the question becomes, okay, if my testosterone levels are half of what they should be compared to my dad or my grandfather, what can I do about it? So obviously there is the supplement industry and I, I like to definitely went deep down the rabbit hole in terms of there's a million test boosters that are out there in the market. And some of them obviously use sort of what's called evidence-based ingredients, right? So I'll give an, uh, an example of that. Ashkawanda is like the really hot ingredient, the herbal anti-cortisol testosterone boosting um, supplement. And there is scientific research behind it. But if you actually look at the studies, as I have, right, the testosterone boost is 14.7%, which there's a big difference between statistical significance and clinically meaningful results. And if you talk to a clinician, meaning someone who actually sees patients like I do, Statistical significance is meaningless. All it means is 95 out of 100 times, if you replicate the result, it's going to come out the same way, right? So that means, you know, if they do 100 of these Ashkawanda studies, 95% of the time, they're going to say it increases testosterone versus decreases it. So it's a reliable effect, but it's not a meaningful effect, meaning nobody's going to feel a 14.7% difference in testosterone. And I'll tell you why, because that's such a, uh, the, your, the amount of your testosterone probably varies by that on a day-to-day -day basis. So for instance, if you get seven hours of sleep a night versus an a similar guy who gets eight hours of sleep per night, that's a, there's a 15% difference just by getting one extra hour of sleep, which is obviously something that you should do, but you're not going to feel the difference. I generally put the bar in terms of 50%. If you're not getting a 50% increase in your testosterone levels, you probably will not feel it, or it's not going to significantly improve your performance. So the unfortunate news is there actually was a review paper that looked at basically all of the testosterone boosting supplements in the market and basically concluded they don't really do anything, right? So unfortunately, I think a lot of guys are paying a lot of money to take these test boosting supplements, even though they slightly tweak things, you know, here and there, but it makes honestly no difference in terms of your gym performance, how you feel other than placebo. Now, some guys do feel it, but it's really honestly placebo. Um, and I, I, as a psychologist, I would say, look, placebo does work, right? Like you tell someone it's like a magical red rhino pill, <laughs> they're going to feel better, especially if they pay a lot of money, they got to get their hopes up. Uh, but if you, but I always tell people, especially whenever I hear someone taking a test boosting supplement, I said, I asked them, do you have before and after labs? Have you gone to, and gotten your testosterone checked before and after taking the supplement? And, and is it a meaningful in, improvement? I'll tell you 95% of guys who take these supplements do not test their levels. There's no even individual evidence that it's working for them. And like I said, if it does, it's, is it above 50%? Absolutely not. So like I said, 99% of the time, these aren't working. So supplements, while they have their purpose for testosterone improvement, there's no good evidence behind it. That's why on the other hand, really, if you want to boost testosterone, you have to kind of go the prescription pharmaceutical route. And the gold standard of treatment to this date has been testosterone replacement therapy or what's called TRT that a lot of your audience may be familiar with. TRT absolutely does work. It's a pretty simple concept, right? If you don't have enough testosterone, inject more of it, right? And it'll top up your levels, so to speak. So it, it works very well. Um, the problem with TRT is the way that it works is essentially uh, um, the body's very intelligent, essentially. When you take external or exogenous testosterone, the body realizes, oh, my testosterone levels are high now. I don't really need to produce any more. And so your testicles essentially shut down. 
they shrink. This is one of the side effects of testosterone replacement therapy, and it promotes infertility. In fact, there is a paper that's called uh, testosterone is a male contraceptive and should not be taken by anyone who wants to maintain their fertility. And so that's why our advisor, Dr. Jim Holtley, you can listen to him on the Maximus podcast, basically argues that guys under the age of 50 or want to maintain their fertility should not be on TRT. So our point of view, which is perhaps a little bit more on the conservative side of things, but I think it's the right thing to do in medicine if you believe and do no harm, is there's a difference between what's called primary hypogonadism and secondary hypogonadism. Primary hypogonadism is essentially when your testicles do not work. If you have a testicular injury, you have testicular cancer, or for some reason you just cannot produce your own testosterone, then TRT is absolutely appropriate and should be the first line treatment. Now, the reality though, is that's only a few percentage of guys who have that phenomenon where literally they have non-functioning testicles. It's basically the equivalent of someone who's a type one diabetic. It's relatively rare that someone's born with sort of a, you know, what used to be called juvenile diabetes because you're born with it. Your pancreas does not work and is not producing a similar hormone, which is insulin. So obviously type one diabetics inject insulin. It's a life-saving drug for them. Uh, they're able to have relatively normal lives. However, the overwhelming majority of people, which is about 12% of the American population and 37% of people who are on their way, have what are, what's called type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is essentially, even if there's a genetic predisposition towards it, a lifestyle disease. It's mostly driven by obesity and all the shitty foods that we just talked about, right? For them, the gold standard is, well, like programs like Amada, lose weight, improve your diet, improve your sleep, get to the gym, and take maybe some metformin, which is the gold standard oral medication for diabetes, helps lower blood sugar a little bit, and do your best, essentially. That's really similar to what's called secondary hypogonadism. That's what most guys have when, they, when we talk about low T or low testosterone. Their testicles work just fine. It's just that the signal between the brain and the testes has been dampened a little bit, or they're overweight and they're producing more of these aromatase enzyme, and so they're, they're producing more estrogen than testosterone. Um, they're bombarded by these other disrupting plastics. They're depressed. They're sedentary. It's all these other factors, right? And so they shouldn't go and jump to injecting testosterone replacement therapy. I don't think that's really like the, the clinically correct thing to do. What, uh, you know, they should do instead is obviously focus on fixing their lifestyle. But when I looked into the literature, it was really interesting because there is almost like an equivalent to metformin on the hormonal side. Um, and that's like a class of drugs called SERMs. So SERMs are called selective estrogen receptor modulators, not to be confused with SARMs. Those are selective androgen receptor modulators. Those essentially function as steroids. So that's a different class of medications. SERMs actually, interestingly, are anti-cancer drugs. So they're very commonly used uh, to treat a breast cancer in women. Um, and they're also fertility drugs, interestingly. And how they work is actually very interesting. So you have uh, an androgen receptor, which testosterone binds to, but you also have an estrogen receptor. And that's what estradiol and other estrogens bind to. Um, SERMs are basically selectively, meaning in certain areas in the body, such as the brain, they block the receptor. And so you have, if you have estrogen floating around like a key, it can't get into the lock, right? And so what, that, what happens as a result of that, I, I talked about how testosterone essentially converts to estradiol in the body. Very simply put, when the body's, uh, 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 you're blocking the estrogen receptors, the body thinks I'm not getting enough estrogen. How do I make more estrogen? I need to produce more of my own testosterone. So it sends a signal to the brain. The brain sends more uh, LH, which is luteinizing hormone, uh, which is responsible for the production of testosterone and more FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, which is responsible for the production of your sperm. So more LH and FSH travel down to the testes. It stimulates the testes to produce more of their own testosterone. 
And so here's a really interesting thing. You could have one guy who's on TRT and his testosterone levels are great. So let's say they're at the top of the reference range. They're like 900 or 1,000. Uh, you have a similar guy who's on a CERN, similar phenomenon. They double their testosterone levels. They're at 900 to 1,000. The difference is this guy's LH and FSH on TRT is completely shut down, right? They're not able to produce their own testosterone. They're not able to produce their own, their own sperm. Um, but on uh, a CERN, their LH and FSH is actually twice as high, right? Because they're stimulating their own production. So interestingly, it's a pro-fertility drug. It actually, interestingly, in higher dosages makes your testicles bigger. And, and so as opposed to shrinking your testicles, it actually increases testicular volume. This has actually been uh, published. And it also increases fertility. So not only is, uh, uh, are these drugs used as fertility drugs in women, they're actually off-label used as fertility drugs in men. Because interestingly, uh, uh, idiopathic infertility, which is like fertility without a known cause, 50% of the time it's the guy, it's not the woman that's responsible. And so they give these guys fertility drugs just as much. And so when I learned all this, I was like, wow, this is really like an interesting um, and much safer approach, right? Rather than shutting down your testosterone and being essentially uh, dependent on replacing it externally, basically for the rest of your life. Because the problem with TRT also is when you have to take it essentially forever. Uh, if you come off of it, it's like basically like a car that uh, you haven't started in a long time. The battery's dead. Your testosterone levels are like essentially shut down. It is possible to obviously restart it. You have to do what's called a post-cycle therapy. But the thing is essentially the longer and heavier your TRT or your steroid use, essentially there's sort of like accumulating damage and it's hard to restart the system. So guys who have taken TRT for many years or especially steroids for many years, uh, they just don't produce testosterone the same way. As opposed to CIRMS, uh, because you're stimulating your own production, there's no dependence. You can stop it anytime you want. You're going on a weekend trip. You forgot your pills. Not a big deal. Your testosterone levels just go back to whatever level it was before you started taking the medication. So in a lot of ways, I, you know, I thought, well, this is obviously much smarter. People obviously should do this way before they go on TRT. If it doesn't work, sure, you can always go back. But TRT should essentially be the last resort, right, or the last sort of line of treatment. While these drugs are much, much safer, uh, in terms of producing your natural produ uh, production and essentially is much safer. The other interesting thing is that it's been studied in healthy young men. As I mentioned, TRT generally is only done by guys over 50, even guys who are like Joe Rogan, I think he's probably in his late 40s or 50s right now, right? They're done having children. At that point, it's an easier decision for them because they don't really care about their fertility at that point. <laughs> but guys who are obviously in their 20s, 30s, etc., uh, it's much safer for them to use sort of CIRMS because it maintains their fertility. In fact, like I, said, I mentioned, it's pro-fertility. And there have been studies, in fact, that have used it in healthy young men for at least three years, very minimal side effects. In fact, the clinical trials show that with a lot of, uh, with uh, particular CIRMS, I should say, uh, the side effect profile is no worse than placebo. So side effects on the order of one to 3%, headache, dizzy, and no dizziness, nausea, uh, very rare. So there's very little adverse effects well, with TRT, you got to monitor your hematocrit. Uh, you got to give blood on a regular basis. Uh, you got to, you know, uh, check the liver enzyme PSA. There's a lot of other issues that need to be uh, monitored with routine blood work. But with these oral medications, and that's the other, by the way, advantage. It's just a pill. It's just like a supplement, right? Uh, you just take it orally, um, and uh, there's no liver toxicity. It doesn't mess with your lipids. Uh, so it's just an easier form factor to take than obviously injecting yourself with TRT or rubbing a TRT cream on your uh, scrotum, which you can't have sex with your partner immediately or rub off on them and masculinize them. There's all these sorts of crazy, crazy adverse effects that you need to be very aware of. 
And so uh, with sort of the CIRM revolution, as I call it, that, that's really testosterone uh, uh, restoration versus testosterone replacement. Uh, I really think it's like open the market to essentially a safe and effective way of increasing testosterone in a way that's essentially never been available before. Okay, so yeah, that, that kind of draws the question. Um, we So many men have been pushed on the TRT line what what happened why it sounds like you have a better solution yeah for a lot of people at least and i'm sure there's some gotchas that we need to cover uh with the specific compounds that we've known about serms for a long time what happened like why why did trt all of a sudden become this thing and serms got left in the dust until now yeah it's a great question and i was wondering the same thing because i looked at the richer and i was like well serms seem like a much smarter approach why aren't they more popular and there is a gotcha the, the problem is the most popular CIRM, which has been FDA approved since 1976, the brand name is Clomid and the mm -hmm. generic name is Clomiphene Citrate. So uh, that's the one that's most commonly used for fertility and also used off-label for men, has the most amount of studies in terms of increasing testosterone. Here's the interesting thing about it. And this is kind of like, I'm going to get into the chemistry, but it's actually really important. Our, just so you know, our viewers love this stuff and we have a lot of, you know, we do the science stuff. So go as deep and as heavy as you want. And, uh, and anyone else will come back after a few sentences of craziness. For sure. No, it's really actually, it's a simple concept to explain. Clomid is actually two drugs, right? So there's something called isomers or they're mirror molecules, just like you have a left and a right hand that are mirrors of one another. A lot of drugs essentially, um, unless they're isometrically pure, essentially have two versions of them that are mirror molecules. And Clomid is a great example of it. So it has what's called zooclomiphene, uh, which is one isomer, and it has enclomiphene, which is the mirror molecule. Now, zooclomiphene is essentially an estrogen agonist. It actually mimics estrogen in the body. Now, enclomiphene is the part that's most responsible for actually boosting your testosterone. Clomiphene is 62% enclomiphene, 38% uh, zooclomiphene. Now, the problem is they have very different half-lives, meaning they last different amounts in the body. Enclomiphene lasts about 10 and a half hours in the body, while zooclomiphene lasts weeks, right? So if, let's say you, all three of us took a pill of clom uh, clomiphene. What happens is you get a nice testosterone boost from the enclomiphene. And after 10 and a half hours, 50% of it is out of your system. By the end of the day, it's pretty much all out of your system. It's gone. But that zooclomiphene is going to stay in your system for weeks. So if someone drug tested you, right? So if you're a professional athlete, clomid is by the way, banned in, uh, by WADA. So because it, work, it works, Right. In fact, John Jones was busted for using it, uh, along with an aromatase inhibitor, which also blocks estrogen in a different way, uh, because of their performance enhancing drugs. But this, this molecule is going to linger in your system for weeks. And so what happens is initially when people take clomiphene guys, especially you get a nice testosterone boost, your libido goes up in 75% of guys, you feel great. You feel better because all of a sudden, essentially like you've, uh, you've turned on your car battery, as I said, you know, even though your testosterone has been declined. It's, it usually will double. Um, but if you take it over the course of months, what happens is the clomiphene molecule, as I said, it's coming out of your system very, very rapidly, even if you're taking it every day, right? While the zooclomiphene isomer is building up more and more because its half-life is weeks. And so you have a, a, a zooclomiphene that you took weeks ago, and then you're taking it every single day and it's stacking on top of each other. So basically over the course of months, even though I said, uh, clomiphene is 62% and clomiphene, 38% zooclomiphene. Over the course of months, you're basically only taking zooclomiphene. So clomiphene is basically just zooclomiphene. And what happens over the course of months is you're just basically taking estrogen. And 
it's functioning as an estrogen in the body. And even though your testosterone levels may be high because you're getting that daily kind of hit from the enclomiphene, the, the estrogen receptor, uh, the estrogen agonist is building up in your system. And that's why if you read anecdotal reports, if you like Google Reddit, guys on Clomid generally don't, even their testosterone is high, they don't feel really great. And because that estrogen agonist is in their system, they feel a little bit more emotional, right? There's like anecdotes of guys like crying at movies <laughs> that they shouldn't be when they watch Lassie. Uh, their libido kind of tanks a little bit and they just feel a little more feminine. Um, and so um, some guys are fine. Um, it's a little bit of individual variability on it. Um, maybe guys who are like a little bit naturally lower in estrogen, they do fine on Clomid, but a lot of guys don't do very well on it. And so as a result of that, like pharmaceutical company came along realize that these are, you know, like two different drugs that are almost like mixed together and said, why don't we get rid of the one that's causing all the side effects, right? That's basically acting, uh, acting as an estrogen and just keep the enclomiphene isomer, which is an estrogen receptor antagonist. It's the blocker of the receptor that's providing all the benefit um, and not responsible for any of the side effects. That's essentially what they did. They purified it and essentially uh, pushed enclomiphene through clinical trials. And the interesting thing they found is when you just give people the pure enclomiphene, um, it gets rid of most of the side effects. So a lot of the side effects of clomid that I mentioned, the emotional lability, the decrease in libido, some people have a rare ocular side effects as well. Uh, none of that essentially popped up in, in the clinical trials with enclomiphene. So it's essentially a much, much cleaner version of clomid. And really, even though, like I said, uh, they're, they're chemically similar, they're, they're basically two different drugs. And clomiphene is really an estrogen blocker uh, while zooclomiphene or clomid, which essentially what happens uh, that accumulates over the course of months uh, is essentially a different drug. And so the enclomiphene has not been available essentially on the market until recently uh, because it is a constituent of an FDA approved drug, which is clomiphene. And like I said, it's been approved since 1976. It is able to be legally uh, marketed and sold. It's just that it wasn't sort of produced because the pharmaceutical company got bought by Allergan uh, they kind of shelved it uh, until uh, a couple of folks, including ourselves, essentially brought it to the market again. Um, and I thought, I mean, you know, when I reviewed the literature on this and also tried it myself, because I'm like, I'm not going to sell anything I'm not willing to take myself. I was like, I actually tried uh, Clomid probably a decade ago. I found the same thing, like emotional side effects, uh, even though it boosted my testosterone, wasn't really that great. Um, it also didn't boost it like that much. I think my testosterone levels went from like, 500 to 750, it's not bad, like a 1.5 X increase on Clomid, but I was like 50% increase with side effects, not really worth it. And so I kind of abandoned that like a decade ago. With enclomiphene, my testosterone levels double. So it's actually twice as good as Clomid essentially, right? So they go from like 450 to like 900 now uh, without any of the side effects. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just realized like both, obviously for myself, it's superior, uh, like anecdotally that I've, that I've experienced, but also the research literature really backs that essentially, uh, has a much lower side effect profile, uh, than clomiphene while producing actually even superior results, because you're just getting like the, the active constituent essentially, uh, part of clomiphene. So awesome. Can, can you explain quickly how it's raising testosterone is because it's blocking estrogen? Is there, a, Okay. Yeah, it's an estrogen receptor antagonist, which is basically a fancy word for um, it's blocking selectively, like I said, uh, estrogen in the body, which gets your, your testes to essentially produce more of its testosterone. This is a different function than aromatase inhibitors. Aromatase inhibitors are also estrogen blockers, but they're essentially crude. They block almost all your estrogen, which is why even though they also boost testosterone, 
almost nobody takes an aromatase inhibitor as a standalone, essentially uh, testosterone booster, because it'll cut your estradiol in half. And guys, like estradiol, essentially, it's almost like, a, I call it the Goldilocks zone. You don't want it to be too low. Your estrogen, your libido will tank. You don't want it to be too high. Your, your libido will tank. Um, and so um, AIs probably have more of a use when you're taking TRT or other things that are like raising your estradiol. But as a standalone, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not great because uh, it blocks essentially all the conversion essentially between testosterone and estradiol. It's also very difficult to dial in the correct dose. So that's why that has never also been a very popular option, even though aromatase inhibitors have been on the market. SERMs, because they only, like I said, they selectively block estrogen uh, in the body. Um, the interesting phenomenon is if you actually do a lab test, uh, which we do as actually part of our program on a SERM, you'll find that it increases testosterone and estradiol equally. Because like I said, testosterone converts into uh, estradiol. But because the estrogen receptor is being blocked, even though your blood levels are higher, it's not binding to the receptor. So it's not doing anything. It's like someone knocking at the door, but they're not able to, to sort of answer it. And so um, you don't get sort of the estradiol side effects, even though your levels are higher because it's blocking it. And so that's the interesting thing. So people ask about like, well, what about, the, what about side effects, right? Like gynecomastia, right? Which is the development of male breast tissue that a lot of guys get when their estradiol levels are higher. Interestingly, there's studies that show that Clomid is used as a treatment for gynecomastia because it's blocking the estrogen receptor. And uh, even though, like I said, it's boosting your estradiol levels in your blood because it's not able to bind to the, the estrogen receptors in your breast tissue or your, your pectoralis sort of area, uh, it doesn't actually contribute to gynecomastia. The other interesting thing about SERMs versus TRT is um, it doesn't increase uh, DHT levels proportional to testosterone. So a lot of guys may, may have heard of DHT. DHT is dihydrotestosterone. It's the more androgenic, essentially derivative of testosterone. I call it sort of the aggression hormone, right? It's responsible for your, your aggression, your virility, that competitive sort of drive. Um, and it's also blocked if you're familiar with um, uh, hair loss drugs like finasteride. They essentially block the conversion of testosterone to DHT through 5-alpha reductase. So while that's great for your scalp, it's probably not great for your sort of sex drive. Um, unfortunately, some guys have pretty nasty sort of sexual side effects from taking finasteride. It's in a small percentage of people, but some for some folks it's permanent. So it's a, there's been a lot of lawsuits and issues sort of around it. Um, I, I think DHT is important, right? Especially for your, your competitiveness, your virility. Uh, it's probably not a great idea to block it systemically. Um, and so uh, you don't want it to be too low. And same thing, you probably don't want it to be too high. One of the issues with um, TRT or sort of um, anabolic steroids is it jacks up not only your TRT, but your testosterone, but your DHT levels. So it can cause hair loss, uh, prostate growth, sort of high DHT androgenic side effects. And clonophene, interestingly, even though it increases testosterone, does increase DHT a little bit too, but it maintains the proportion between the two. So the DHT to T ratio, the ratio between these two remains one-to-one. -one. With TRT, DHT actually increases more than testosterone. And so you get more of those like androgenic side effects, losing scalp hair, growth of body hair, uh, stuff like that. And so people always, that's the second thing people ask. It's like, well, is this gonna, if it's gonna increase my testosterone, is it gonna make my hair fall out? And I, because of the research on this, uh, I think we can pretty confidently say it, it's, it's much more hair safe or hair friendly, if you will, because it's not jacking up your DHT levels disproportionately. So I'll be looking for a uh, study on that one, just so when we uh, put the show notes together. Yeah. Thank you.
So uh, pulling it back just a, uh, just a slight amount, you were talking about, because this all comes together, uh, the 15% increase with you know natural testosterone boosters and stuff. It's kind of funny because while you were talking, I picked up the last time that Mike did a blood test for one of our testosterone boosters. Um, I'm, I'm averaging the numbers here. They're not exact numbers, but he went from around 700 to 800. And it's actually funny. That's about a 14.8% increase, which is almost in line with exactly right there. <laughs> and so it's kind of funny because like Mike also mentioned feeling more alpha and stuff, but there were also, there's usually other additives in these products like Tribulus or Maca that will make you feel more libido that will, you know, augment mm -hmm. that. So my question then comes to you uh, with people that are looking to, to work with Maximus or, you know, try and Clomiphene. You talked about a, you know, doubling of testosterone, but from 450, that's a little bit easier to do than someone like, you know, on the higher end. How do you see um, like lower and higher end users seeing, is there a difference in that doubling? Because obviously there's a point of, you know, diminished returns. If someone comes to you with 900 points, they're not going to hit 1800, I'm assuming. Yeah. So it's a great question. So one of the things I should add that we do that's that's pretty unique and basically different than any, any other Sort of supplement company. I mean, we're, we're technically not a supplement company. We're a telemedicine clinic, right? So it's we're essentially a urology practice that's online, which makes us pretty different than you know the average supplement company in that we have a board certified physician that's uh, ordering labs and prescribing prescription medications to you, right? So it's not like this a la carte uh, thing where you're just you know buying your stuff on your own, right? Um, you fill out a medical history, a doctor reviews it does a consultation with you asynchronously and says, okay, you know, here are the various options. Um, but the first thing we do is we order labs. So we actually use gold standard, what's called LCMS, liquid chromatography mass spectrometry testing, which is like the best in the industry. Um, and essentially you do a little finger pick blood test. If you ever picked your finger on, you know, measure your blood glucose levels, I'm sure Mike has for, for measuring his blood glucose and ket uh, ketones. I've seen that okay. in your videos. A uh, pretty simple procedure. You just, you put it on a card, it, it dries, and then you mail it off to a lab. It's actually a third party independent lab. We don't do the blood testing so that we're objective about it. So people do this right before they start on any medication. So that we have a clean baseline. Um, one of the things that we do actually though, is we always say we treat symptoms, not numbers. So to your point, like if your levels are relatively normal, right? Like let's say they're, they're at 500. Um, we don't use that as the basis of whether you should be on our treatment or not. Now, if you were on TRT, you absolutely should be, right? Like, unless you're below 300, most responsible doctors, unless they're at like some TRT pill mill, are, are not going to put you on TRT because they're like, well, you really want to be on something for the rest of your life. You don't really need it, right? Certainly nothing, no insurance company will provide that. So, uh, but, but, but because what we do is essentially much safer, right? Like it doesn't cause any dependence, infertility, uh, et cetera, we can treat basically the whole spectrum of folks, right? So even guys who are like normal, but if they're like, ah, I don't feel the same way that I used to when I was younger and I, I want sort of my mojo back, if you will, um, we can treat those folks. So we, they, they take the lab test literally the morning before we actually ship the medications with the labs. And we say, obviously take the labs before. So you have a clean baseline, but you can take it uh, uh, as soon as possible. And then we retest people after 30 days. The reason for that is because the studies show um, you get the testosterone boost immediately, right? Within a week, um, your serum levels will essentially saturate on clomiphene. So you'll feel it uh, uh, pretty quickly. Now, I should say it's not a psychoactive drug. It's not like taking caffeine or Adderall where you're going to like feel buzzed the moment that you take it. It's much more of a um, subtle effect is the way that I describe it. And I actually think it's a good thing because it's not addictive. Adderall is addictive. Uh, there's a reason that you get a buzz and there's a reason you don't feel as good when you stop taking it because it stimulates your dopamine system. 
Um, with uh, the higher testosterone, it's, it's your body's producing more of its own. And so the effects are much more uh, subtle in terms of like a calm energy is the way that I describe it. One of the biggest noticeable effects is, uh, yeah, like drinking a Red Bull is going to give you a much more noticeable effect, but you, your energy goes up and you crash. When, you, when your testosterone's uh, higher, you just basically feel good. Like you wake up in the morning, you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. And you don't get that like afternoon crash in terms of your energy levels. So oftentimes it's not even necessarily that you feel a surge of energy. It's, it's that you, you, you don't get so much of the, the troughs and the peaks uh, of energy that you do. It's just more like a stable, uh, natural sort of energy. So that's the way that I sort of describe it. Um, so uh, you definitely, uh, the number one reason actually I'd argue that people take it is not because they want to get jacked. I wouldn't argue it's actually like a great bodybuilding drug because we're not taking people to super physiological levels, right? Their testosterone is not going to the three to 5,000 range, which is like what bodybuilders do when they're on like, super high doses of testosterone or anabolic steroids, right? We're trying to get people to high normal, uh, ideally, right? Like 80th, 90th percentile, or honestly, whatever level they feel good. That's the other thing I should add. Um, that's why we always say we treat symptoms, not numbers. A guy can feel fantastic on 500 and there's other guys who may feel terrible on 900 if their natural levels are supposed to be 1100, right? We all have different sort of genetic set points and also like levels that our bodies are essentially accustomed to. And so that's why if you take it for at least a few weeks, your body starts adapting to your new higher levels of testosterone. In clinical studies, they show that the range generally is between a 1.5 X, which is about 50% to 2.5 X or about 150% improvement. So on average, that's why I say most people sort of double their levels. Now you ask a very great question about, well, does it depend on where you start, start from? And the answer is yes. Clinically, what we found, interestingly, it's the opposite of what you were expecting. People who are lower generally get worse off results, right? Like if you're starting out in the two to three hundreds, like, uh, you know, you're very low. We actually get a bunch of XTRT users who come to our program. So their levels have obviously tanked because they've stopped taking testosterone. Like I said, they've become dependent on it, but they're like, look, I'm sick of injecting myself or I'm getting side effects. I don't want to be on CRT anymore. And we always tell people, great, as long as you discontinue for two weeks, and that's to make sure that it's all out of your system. We don't want to mess up the lab results. You can join our program. Now those people start off lower. Those people do increase their levels, but they may be going from 200, 300 to 400, 500. They're just getting back to normal essentially, but it's great. It's like a two X increase. We actually find that guys who are healthier typically have not had heavy, like, you know, drug use in the past. Um, they actually increase levels, uh, higher. So basically the healthier you are to start with, the better sort of your, your mind body connection is, and the better your test, your testicles actually can produce more of their own testosterone. So we actually have had folks, I think I posted one, I think I shared one of them with you, Mike. Um, I think someone started out like the 800s, went up to like 1300 actually. Are, you, are uh, we free to share that in the uh, show notes? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. um, so yeah, th there, there is an upper limit for sure. I don't think we get people up to like 1800 to your point. Um, but generally, uh, our, our sort of, uh, you know, clinical experience is that like healthier people actually get just as much of a boost. Um, but look in the end, like I said, it's really function. It matters more how you feel than the absolute number. And one useful clarification that I think is really important for folks is, um, there's a subtlety with testosterone that a lot of people miss, which is there's a difference between total and free testosterone. And everyone talks about total testosterone because it's the easiest test, generally speaking. And that's what most people are familiar with. Usually the range for total testosterone is between 200, 300 to like 900 to 1100, right? So most guys, like I said, average is about medians like 500. Although if you look at healthy young men, like 19 to 39 year old, healthy, non-obese men, 
their levels are actually closer to 700 in terms of like the 50th percentile, right? Um, so that's kind of our kind of gold standard is like, well, you know, I don't actually believe in age reference uh, uh, levels because people always ask, well, how's my testosterone for my age? And I tell them the same story I told you about the ex-Soviet athletes. Sure, I can show you what it is for your average person that your age, but you should be comparing yourself not to the average person, but to the healthiest people, right? Because your testosterone does not need to go down with age if you take care of yourself and you're doing the right things. So the part that people miss though, is that the, the more important marker is what's called free testosterone. That's the part of testosterone that's not bound to proteins such as albumin and SHBG or sex hormone binding globulin. And it's free to go about and bind to the receptor. Those are measured on a different scale. Um, it's generally um, about between 50 and 150, depending on the type of reference uh, range that you're using. Average levels are about 100. So here's the interesting thing. SHBG is one of those binding proteins that I told you about, and that's a little bit more genetically determined. So folks like myself, my father has type 2 diabetes, so I have a family history of diabetes. We tend to be low SHBG. It actually puts you at increased risk for insulin resistance. So even though I'm super fit, I have a six pack, all that good stuff, my blood sugar levels always kind of borderline like running high, like just below the pre-diabetes range. And I know that because I just have that genetic predisposition, that low SHBG in that family history. So, but the good news is for folks like myself, low SHBG means that more of my free te uh, total testosterone converts to free testosterone. So even though my total is not very high, like I said, it's been generally 450, 500 naturally, uh, my free is always great. It's usually like hundred plus. So even though I'm kind of below average for total, I'm actually above average for free. We find the opposite phenomenon. There's a lot of guys who have high total testosterone, right? These are guys who are like 800, 900. And you think, well, why do they need to like boost their testosterone? It's because their SHBG is 50 or 60, right? So as opposed to mine, which is like 15. And so their free testosterone is actually below average, right? So even though they're at 800, 900, their free testosterone is in double digits. It's somewhere between like 50 and 90, generally speaking. And so that's the funny phenomenon. You'll have guys like me who are at 400, 500 total testosterone, but my free testosterone is at like 100 plus. And then you get guys who are at 800, 900 total testosterone, but their free is kind of 50 to 90. And so you can get guys who are kind of almost similar in the end but their total is different. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. It's kind of the beauty of the human physiology. I think the human body is actually quite intelligent and it also it basically compensates for your sort of where you are at genetically with your SHBG. If you're low SHBG, it's like, I don't need to produce that much testosterone because a lot of it's going to turn into free. But if you have high SHBG, your body will compensate by producing more total testosterone. So one of the most common questions I get is, well, how do I lower my SHBG? And a lot of people obviously try to do this with boron as a common supplement which works temporarily. I'm not sure, honestly, it works very, very much in the long term. But our, our advisor's opinion, Dr. Eugene Shippen is like literally wrote the textbook on testosterone. His point of view is like, look, SHPG is genetic. Don't try to mess with it. And the body does what it needs to do. And also you're kind of used to whatever your levels are. If you try messing with it too much, you might start feeling a little wonky. So the better approach is just focus on the free testosterone number and your body will sort of adjust accordingly, right? So the guys who are higher on total testosterone, high SHBG, yeah, they may get up to like the 1300s, but and even though it's physiological on paper, really it's the free testosterone number that we care about because that's like the better uh, sort of standard for efficacy and function. Wow, okay, we are getting a lesson here. So I have a lot to cover, I'm sure Ben does too. First off, so um, you mentioned that you, you ship the the blood test with the prescription. 
what are you willing to share what dosage you're using? Cause I've seen some of the studies that we've, we're going to cite and uh, they were testing a lot of different ones. So I'm kind of curious what you landed on. Absolutely. So the, yeah, the studies uh, tested all kinds of dosages mm-hmm. um, uh, anywhere from um, 6.25 milligrams right. all the way up to 25 milligrams. There's uh, even some fifties, I think, but yeah, probably up there. Now the, the, here's the thing that I think people miss, like I said, because enclomiphene is the isomer of clomiphene. And it's actually much more potent. In fact, there's been studies that show, um, well, first of all, uh, just from looking at the molecule, right? Like if I said 62% of um, clomiphene is in clomiphene. So um, uh, basically like 6.25 milligrams of clomiphene has the same amount of clomiphene as 10 milligrams of clomiphene. But you can actually pharmacologically equate it because it's more potent. So it's very, very potent. You don't need that much. The, the clinical studies basically show that 12.5 milligrams was the most effective dose for most people. Now, that was done uh, almost exclusively in a hypo, secondary hypogonadal population, meaning most of those guys were low in testosterone. In terms of the total, like we were talking about, their testosterone was like 200, right? Pretty low. And their free was pretty low, probably below 50. So when you're talking about folks that are really low T, yeah, 12 and a half um, is probably the most effective dose. We actually start people on 6.25 because we found, especially in healthier folks, they they don't need that much. And I really believe in like conservative medicine in terms of you want to put people on the minimal effective dose that's going to cause the minimum amount of side effects, right? So you want the biggest for your buck. Obviously, you don't want to like, you know, cause any issues. And so we've done a lot of testing. We found 6.25 is really good enough for most, especially healthy young people. That's literally the dose that I'm on, right? a healthy guy in, in my thirties, otherwise like, you know, great. And that doubles my level. I shouldn't be on 12 and a half because it's probably going to increase the incidence of side effects. And plus I'm already like at the top of the reference range anyway. Right. Like I said, my totals at 800, 900, my free testosterone's. I think the last time I tested at like 205, which is actually wow. slightly super physiological. Right. That was my so, next question. But yeah. When Ben, Ben, mentioned my, I got my testosterone to 791 free testosterone. That was total free testosterone was 66.1. Am I struggling? Yeah. You're, so your SHBG is probably high. Like where yeah, and I didn't get that tested. I was searching for that in the, in the lab work. I wasn't smart yeah. enough to do that. You can probably backwards calculate it. There's actually like a free testosterone calculator. If okay. you, uh, uh, it's essentially called a vermilion equation. So if you know your total, you assume you can assume albumin because it doesn't vary that much between people. And if you know, uh, SHBG, I have albumin. Calculate. Um, so yeah, but almost assuredly, if you're, like I said, if your total's high and your freeze low, you're, you're probably in a high SHBG guy, like I was saying. Okay. So, and so uh, what is, yeah. So what's, what, <laughs> I'm not asking for you to be a doctor for me right now, but like, does, is this holding me back? Is the, is kind of the main question, that number? Yeah. So, I mean, um, uh, free testosterone is like a better, like I said, it, it, it's, it's a better indication of what testosterone is able to do in the body. Right. Now, it's not to say that like SHBG is like an evil molecule and that it binds up testosterone. It's better thought of as a delivery molecule in that it helps testosterone get to the places that you need to be. You don't want your SHBG to be too, too low. That's actually, by the way, one of the problems with anabolic steroids is um, anabolic steroids and SARMs shut down your SHBG. It decreases it, but often decreases it to sub-physiological levels. And so even though guys are obviously very jacked, uh, they're not always feeling that great because it pushes their SH, suppresses it to levels that are way below the, what they need to be. So with someone like yourself, total testosterone 791, but you're free 66, which is pretty low, actually, I would say. I, um, there's actually a, uh, uh, and we can put this in the show notes, we have a um, section on our website that explains kind of like 
um, reference ranges. And the ones that we use are different than the labs. I actually hate lab reference ranges because yeah. it's like They're 18 huge. to 80 year old. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, like I said, the average dude's testosterone is declining. It's not really helpful. I compare it to 19 to 39 year old, healthy, non-obese young men. And so, yeah, like the, if you're looking at those guys, um, the first percentile is 55, the second and a half percentile is 70. So it's actually quite low um, in terms of, a, like you said, in the 60s, 66. Yeah, what was it? It's uh, 66.1. Uh -oh. Yeah, yeah, you're probably like the second percentile, right? So you have a lot of room for improvement, right? That means 98 guys out of 100 guys have higher free testosterone. Oh, man, this is and hurting so, me. I'm just going to mute my microphone while I cry over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to, in terms of your ability to build muscle, uh, you know, um, it's going to limit you, right? So if you if you were to, for instance, be on a clomphene, I would, I would almost guarantee that your levels would probably go over 100. Um, and you know, like 134 would be the 50th percentile essentially for a healthy young guy, um, probably double your levels. Uh, and then you'd, you'd probably, you know, be able to essentially put on more mass. In fact, there's a study, um, this study was done with Clomid, but, it, um, you know, you can kind of use it as a proxy, people put on about five pounds of, uh, lean mass in about 12 weeks. So it is a muscle enhancing um, compound. Now, like I said, it's not going to give you the, like the effects like anabolic steroids will, but the difference is obviously you can safely take this essentially for the rest of your life because it doesn't cause anywhere near the side effects. I, I think this is a perfect story for a lot of our users. Um, ben, do you have any questions? Because I, I have more stuff to talk about, but I don't want to steal the show here. I got nothing. I'm okay. just, I just pulled up my blood work just to follow along yeah. with you guys. So <laughs> I, uh, nice. I, 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 I want to throw in there. My SHBG is actually pretty low. I got 15.3. So yeah, you're, so this is, a, this is great. So like you, you two are like the quintessential, uh, opposite extremes, right? Like you got Mike who's like high SHVG, but probably has higher total testosterone because your body is compensated. Mm -hmm. And then you have probably like me, low SHVG, which on the one hand puts you at higher risk for diabetes, but that's why you got to make sure you got to keep your blood sugar, yes. low, yeah, yeah. watch your carbs like I do as well. Um, uh, but you're probably producing more free testosterone. Um, and so it's probably easier to put on muscle for you, I would say, than Mike as a result of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, really fun to, to compare. It's actually funny because I've heard the opposite. I'll let you get back to it. Mike. The one thing I wanted to add was uh, well, I kind of wanted to ask is, uh, is so again, I'm on TRT. So like a lot of this is interesting to me because um, I don't necessarily really mind the the modality of the drug. Like it's it's annoying, but I do mind sub Q. So it's small amounts for you know it's it's not convenient by any mean, but like it's not that annoying. But I have to donate blood multiple times a year, which is just annoying. You know I hate needles in that fashion, and I also have to get my blood work done, and I it's less it's more anticipatory, right? Like I have to make sure, like okay, I, if I when I go to get blood work, there's a certain worry about it. I take my you know my lipid stuff, I, I take care of myself, but still when I go to get blood work, it's still like you know am I still okay? Um, so for guys that are on that, you know, and because most of us feel comfortable with our doctors and stuff, but the, a lot of the things that you're presenting feel more comfortable, feel a little bit easier to control. Is it a hard transition to come from that over? I mean, because being honest, I told you, Cameron, a couple, uh, two years ago, I tried to get off and I, I was on regular Clomid for three months, 90 days. It was terrible for me, but I'd love to know, like, is it, I'm assuming it's still a bit of a rough transition still. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad you um, shared your sort of personal experience as well. And that's why I was saying like, that's why Clomid is not popular. Yeah. Usually, especially when they're they're giving people sort of PCT dosages of Clomid when you're coming off of TRT, I, I assume you're taking like 25 milligrams of it. Uh, twice a day. 
twice a day. So you take 50 milligrams. That is a huge dose of chlorine, right? And I like, looked this doctor in the face. I was like, I'm going to be depressed just so you know, in 90 days. And he's still, yeah. he was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, come back in 90 days. I was like, I'll see you in 90 days. <laughs> well, see, that, that makes, it makes sense. It's not that your doctor doesn't give a shit. It, what they're trying to do is like, look, there's two cases typically that Clomid is, is most commonly prescribed, um, not including the off-label it uses for testosterone. One, it's for infertility. So they're like, look, I don't care how you feel. You need to get your wife pregnant, right? So we're going to jack up your sperm count as high as possible. And then same thing. It's like, well, your, your, te your testicles are shot down. I need to get them back online as soon as possible. So I'm going to mega dose you with Clomid. And so they're not optimizing you for mood or your function. They're just like, look, I need to stimulate your balls as much as possible to, you know, get you back online. So I think that's a different case. That's like an acute, like, it's like a yes. jump start. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's why guys don't generally feel good on it. Um, if, if really like the good responsible docs who have a lot of clinical experience using Clomid, I have to actually talk to the guy who like prescribes the most Clomid in San Diego. Um, and, and, you know, they, they, there's, they tend to prescribe lower dosages of it if you're going to use it longer term. And then obviously within clomiphene, as I mentioned, it's basically a totally different drug. Uh, you don't get as much of the emotional ability side effects. So, uh, like, you know, and I, like I said, I, I've tried clomiphene, I ran the same issues in clomiphene. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to ever say that a drug is side effect free, all prescription medications, sure. but the incidence of side effects are essentially much lower. And yeah, like the issues that you brought up, right? Like it doesn't increase hematocrit. You don't have to worry about donating blood. Uh, and it makes it much more convenient. Um, and same thing, like we, like I, I'm a healthcare person. I get my blood tested all the time for lots of reasons. Um, but I don't, it's not fun. It's not fun having a needle in your arm. What we yeah. try to do finger prick. It's, 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 a uh, uh, you know, much easier, quite frankly, than you don't have to like stick it in a vein. And then actually the really cool thing is we're working with this company that has like essentially a needle, needleless way of collecting blood. It's actually super cool. It's a little device. It sits on your shoulders and it has these little tiny little micro needles. You don't even notice that it's like sandpaper. Um, and you put it on and it actually like diffuses the blood across the skin and it collects a little vial of it that you can mail overnight, send it to a lab and get it measured. So it's absolutely amazing these days what you can do without having to go to a Quest or a LabCorp. Um, and really it like made our company possible, right? Like yeah. when, I, when I was thinking about this, cause I've been to a million you know, labs, get my blood drawn. I've, I've gone to the private practice doctors that do this hormone optimization and as, as great as it is, I was like, you know, this is kind of an elite thing. Like I, we are, one of our advisors is office here in Santa Monica charges 800 bucks for a consult. He's the best in the business, but it's not accessible to most people. But I said, you know, with this technology, the ability, for instance, to collect your blood at home and then accurately measure it using gold standard LCMS technology is pretty revolutionary. We like never could do this even like 10 years ago. Uh, but now that it is, you can essentially do this in the comfort and convenience of your own home. And obviously with Zoom, like we're doing now, and telemedicine laws, which have allowed essentially online prescribing, all of this essentially made the idea of a virtual clinic possible. That was never yeah. possible before. And the cool thing too is because we can do this and do this at scale, right? We're in 13 states right now. We cover about 40% of the U.S. population. Hopefully, it will be more as we expand. You know, we, we're going to essentially have like one of the largest data sets in the country, essentially on this protocol that we've developed, and we're constantly tweaking it and making it better. Like, cause as, as we talked about, like one of the things we put people on 6.25, but we have eight different dosages. There are some guys that we actually decrease the dosage to 3.125 milligrams um, because they, they just don't need a lot. They're, they're like hyper responders. They get a huge boost or maybe some people are more sensitive to side effects. So we'll just put them on a little bit lower dose. 
other guys, especially if they're XTRT users, or maybe they're just bigger guys. We do get some big guys, 200 plus pounds. Obviously by body weight, you just, you know, your pharmacokinetics require, you know, more medication. So about, I would say half of our guys are on 12 and a half. And there's some guys who need to be on 25 because they, they, you know, they just need a little bit more. And that's the beauty of, I think, personalized medicine, right? The first generation of these telemedicine companies, they just shield you 25 milligrams of Viagra, you know, uh, to every single person, right? Regardless of what, you know, their size or body weight or how much EV they had, didn't matter, right? It's very generic medication prescribing. But what we're doing, because we literally have eight different dosages, um, we, we can actually blood test repeatedly. So we do, like I said, before and after testing after 30 days, standard for everyone. Obviously you want it before, you want it after. But if you need a medication adjustment, we'll give you a third lab test and we'll say, okay, you know, you, let's say you got up, you went up 1.75 X. You want, you feel, you want to feel it a little more great. We can adjust the dosage. And now you're at 2.2 X feeling good. Great. Now we know what your labs are. You're stable. We can prescribe the same dosage, but I think really that's the future is personalized medicine. And we're, mm -hmm. we're doing that today is finding what's the right dose for the right person and using both lab testing, but also symptom reporting, right? The doctor's checking with, with you. They can respond within 24 hours if you're like noticing anything. It can make adjustments on the fly. It can send in a new prescription uh, and really like personalize the experience for you uh, over time. Well, it just hit me that I know that you're very successful and intelligent, but it just hit me how much you're going to crush it with this if uh, this trajectory continues. So uh, a couple questions. Tele so with the telemedicine, who am I talking to? I'm assuming we're not going to all get to talk to Dr. Cameron Sapa. So who do you have on staff or like, or what type of people do you have on so staff? It's always a board certified licensed physician. Um, so uh, yeah, you're, you're talking to um, uh, a physician who's, who's prescribing the labs. Um, and also prescribing the medication. In addition to that, one thing I didn't mention is um, we really describe it as a, as a protocol. So obviously the, on the prescription side, um, we're providing a serum like enclomiphene, but we also do actually provide a pharmaceutical grade supplement. Yes, this is where I was going to strike back. Let me let me say my piece first because you you know you mentioned the ashwagandha thing, and I, I agree. Like most of us, and Ben will say this on the channel. Like if you really you go see a doctor if you want to get get you know serious gains like you mentioned um but the vitamins do have a purpose in in a lot of these test boosting supplements such as uh the boron the vitamin d if you're getting 400 iu of vitamin d a day and you're a guy my size or ben's size and you're not getting any sunshine you're gonna be struggling no matter what so i think like the vitamins and supplements have a huge role in um in correcting a lot of problems zinc for instance you know there's a ton of them we could roll through and just eating a good diet fixes a lot of this uh but i do need to strike back for the vitamins that some of these yes. test boosters work really well not because of the ashwagandha but because people aren't getting enough vitamin d so that's that's my little rant yeah. right there so, so I, I i agree we have kind of a contrarian view on this which is um uh the only time really that supplements or vitamins work is if you have a nutritional deficiency in the first place right so mm -hmm. which is not uncommon, right? So I'll give you an example. We actually did a validation trial. We have, we've done uh, three of them today, but the first one we did was actually in LA. Um, so we had guys come into one of our doctor's offices um, and we, we tested all their levels, including their vitamin D levels. So here's the interesting thing. And this is LA, land of sunshine. 66% of people were, were vitamin D outright deficient and 100% of them were suboptimal, meaning uh, below 30 is deficient, below 50 I would consider optimal. Uh, at least based on the, the, the recent kind of papers that are coming out in terms of COVID risk uh, severity, um, which is mind blowing because you think in the land of sunshine, like, you know, as people get enough vitamin D, like I, I thought so too. And I, by the way, I did this experiment. I get a lot of sunshine. In fact, I used to go work out at noon every day to especially get vitamin D. 
but I went off of all vitamin D supplementation to see what, what are my natural levels that I just get through sunshine? I should be totally fine, right? My levels were like 28, which is hmm. deficient actually, right? Started taking a supplement and uh, you know, uh, 10,000 I used last, I think I tested last week at 76. Right. Nice. So, a lot. And yeah, repeat that 10,000 I use. I think a lot of people uh, kind of get scared at those five digit numbers. And I've, since we first talked, I went from 5,000 to 10,000 and I, I feel something. I, I've definitely had, um, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I think most people should, should, should be probably between any, uh, well, that's the benefit of testing, right? But most people should honestly be between some sort of five to 10,000 I use. 10,000 is considered the upper tolerable limit. Um, uh, it's pretty high, hard to overdose on vitamin D to be honest. If you actually look at the, the, yeah, the some of the protocols even do a mega dose once a week for some of the uh, immunity stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah, what you're, people, if it's a big deal for you, but so yeah, they'll take 50 or, or even hundred yeah, thousand. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, I think it's better if you just remember to take it every day. Yeah. Um, 10,000, um, will get the overwhelming majority of people into an optimal range, which is uh, in my opinion, around 45, 50 nanograms per deciliter. Um, so that's, that's the problem I also see with a lot of like multivitamins or supplements that they, they put a, like a pittance of vitamin D in there, right? 1000, 2000 I use, and it never honestly moves the needle. That's problem. Number one, number two is actually the quality of the supplements. As you know, it's all over the place. Obviously there's some really great companies out there that do quality control, you know, third party, you know, uh, check their, their labs. But I, I can, I can tell you specifically because our, our doctors prescribe a lot of vitamin D um, there are just some brands that they will not move your levels because you're buying cheap Amazon Chinese junk, uh, no offense. Uh, but there's a difference in terms of like pharmaceutical grade, uh, supplements. Um, and so, uh, vitamin, uh, there's, there's a class of compounds called lipid soluble vitamins. So essentially fat soluble vitamins, vitamin D is the best example, most common example of it. The thing that's really different about them is they shouldn't even be called vitamins. They should be called hormones. In fact, there's a paper that calls it hormone D not vitamin D because it basically functions as a hormone in the body. And it's uh, important for steroidogenesis, which is the production of your hormones, including testosterone. Now, if you look at the literature on vitamin D and in terms of its effect on testosterone, it is mixed. There's some studies that show that it increases testosterone. There's some studies that shows that it does not. Part of the hypothesis for why is, like I said, if you're deficient, it might improve the deficiency and get your levels to at least where it should have been. But if your levels are fine, it's not going to like give you a boost essentially. So my philosophy is make sure that you don't have any deficiencies, especially in the fat soluble vitamins, which are vitamins A, D, E, and K. Those are sort of the four main fat soluble vitamins. And a lot of people are deficient uh, in those in particular. And the fat soluble ones are particularly important for hormone production. Like we know that uh, like vitamin A is actually really important for like fitness, muscle building, bodybuilding. Vitamin D is obviously critical for your mood, your immunity, and steroid production. Uh, vitamin E is actually known as a fertility vitamin. It's, it was very commonly given for fertility reasons and also implicated steroidogenesis. Um, uh, and vitamin K actually should always be taken with high dose vitamin D because it makes sure that the extra calcium that builds up in the system is going to the right place, which is your bones, not your arteries. So vitamin D should always be taken with vitamin K2. And there's numerous studies, both in vitro and in vivo, that show that vitamin K is actually critical for um, testosterone production. Um, so that's really critical. And then we also use a compound called a geranogerinol, which has actually been used in some of your other supplement manufacturers, uh, which we had Dr. Barry Tan, who discovered that. He's sort of the world's expert on vitamin E. Um, it's uh, uh, essentially part of the side chain of vitamin E 
that's really critical for the production of coenzyme Q10 um, and uh, helps produce testosterone as well. So we, we do use those five compounds, vitamin A, D, E, K, and G, G, or geronogeronol, as um, a pharmaceutical grade uh, supplement. It's literally a supplement to our prescription product. And it doesn't boost testosterone on its own, but what it does is it makes sure that we are preventing any nutritional deficiencies that may be impairing or suppressing your testosterone. Because there may be guys, that, because unfortunately they get a shitty diet, they're not getting enough sunshine, you can, you can throw as much pharmaceuticals at them as possible, but their levels, maybe, maybe it'll only go up 1.5 X when it could have gone up 2 X if they had sufficient vitamin D levels. And also they're like, well, my mood is still shitty. Well, it's because your vitamin D is shit. So I really think you got to holistically take care of the entire patient, make sure that you're addressing any underlying uh, nutritional deficiencies. And so that's why we do use that as you, a complementary strategy. Are you testing for those? No, we're not because uh, it's, it's, pretty reliable in terms of the effect with the vitamin D. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like 10, vitamin E, organ meats, my friends. I always mention organ meats. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And vitamin K as well. You can have oh, yeah, yeah. a common source uh, from organ meats. So, awesome. so the, those supplements, are they're only available to your to your um, subscribers, members? What is the, I don't even know what the word, patients? Uh, yeah, I guess we can call them patients, clients. Uh, yeah, so yeah, your doctor, we, yeah. we, 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 uh, we're not selling it as a standalone, um, supplement. Cause like I said, we, we, we don't think standalone supplements work. So we were not going to sell it, uh, uh, at least for testosterone boosting purposes. It's right. great. Here's the thing. If you want to boost your vitamin D and that's the whole thing you want to do, go, go get a thorn or pure encapsulations or another, uh, you know, high quality supplement. Um, but for what we're doing, we're using it synergistically to increase testosterone levels. Um, it's part of the protocol. The last thing I should say, and this is why we call it the King protocol is there's really like three parts to our program besides the, the doctor and the lab testing is we, we do, we give people a prescription medication that we talked about. We, we provide this sort of fat soluble five, uh, hormonal vitamin combination, but we also do health coaching, right? And this is the part that kind of goes back to the, the beginning of our com uh, conversation is look, if you really want your hormones to be optimal, but also your overall health. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. You got to sleep. You got to improve your focus and your distractibility. Um, and you need coaching around that. So we actually provide that as like a, a, a perk essentially to our service. So I actually lead the health coaching. That's my whole background and expertise in terms of the companies that I've built. Um, and so we do this with online, we call them accountability squads. And that's where Maximus Tribe comes from. The company is called Maximus, but the online community is called Tribes. And my whole thesis is like self-improvement shouldn't be done alone. Like there's so many guys out there who are like, you know, they go to the gym by themselves, they're doing their best, but you know, life gets in the way. Um, and there's very, very clear psychological research that shows that when you do things with other people, you make your goals public, you have other people accountable for you, uh, you know, you're just more likely to succeed. And most guys, if they've ever been on a sports team, they're ever in the military, they know that to be true from their experiences. When you have other guys your age who are also pushing you, you're just going to perform at a higher level. I was listening to, in fact, like a, 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 a Paul Baxendale, Dorian Yates, old training partner, six time Mr. Olympia. He was talking about in his belief, high intensity training cannot be done alone. He's like, you need a training partner because it all comes from those last sets where you're just trying to crush it and go to muscular fatigue. And if you don't have some dude screaming at you or helping you lift, you know, that last thing, cause you, you can't do the concentric portion of the, of the rep, you can't do hit training correctly. And I was like, wow, that's a provocative argument. He's like, you just absolutely need a partner. And I was like, why do we try to do this with all of our health behaviors, right? If, if, if 
Dorian Yates knew that training partner was the key to his success in being the top bodybuilder in the world. We should be doing that with our diet. We should be doing that with our exercise. We should be doing that with our sleep. So what a lot of our guys do is every single day at minimum once a week, but the people who do it every day get the best results. They check in. They're like, this is my workout goal. This is, this is how many calories I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to get seven to nine hours of sleep. This is actually how I did last night. And they check in and they track their streaks. They're like, how many days in a row did I do it? If I didn't do it, why didn't I do it? And we encourage people, obviously provide a lot of positive social support accountability. And if they're having trouble, we help them problem solve. Um, and it works tremendously well. Social accountability, very clear psychological literature, essentially like basis of entirety of group therapy uh, uh, works very well, but we're not sitting around a campfire. We're not singing Kumbaya. It's pushing each other in a positive way that I think guys enjoy. Uh, and like I said, if you ever have the experience, like you're a boy scout, you did a sports team, you're in the military. Uh, we're, we're just, we're just meant to do it as part of a team, a, a tribe, a gang, or we'll call it what you will. Uh, but it's not meant to be done by itself. And you just do so much better when you have other guys pushing you. Completely agreed. I, I, I call it personally the Rambo fallacy. Like you can't just go Rambo. It's just that it's not real. There's actually a book called uh, tribe by Sebastian Junger, which is, uh, incredible about exactly this, that humans are tribe animals. Um, and you can't do things on your own. I mean, I, as a, as a powerlifter, I've never been successful training on my own. It's impossible to do that around other people without other people. Um, and you actually have a really great Reddit community that I've, uh, I'm not actively a part of, but I've kind of lurked in uh, preparation for the podcast. It, I like that community esque of the feel of it. That it, I think it brings people together because I, I actually started to employ some of your dopamine fasting. I, I'd love to get to that as well. I started to employ that as well, and um, it's something that like you can do on your own. But I didn't really. I, I don't know. I felt the best benefits of it when I started to communicate it to my friends, and they started doing it as well, and uh, f giving that feedback to each other of like, wow, it felt really good to give up these things and enjoy that together. And, and uh, it was validating when other people like I had that benefit as well. Yeah. So yeah, we have three communities. We have one on Facebook, Reddit, and Discord is actually our most popular one. Um, anyone can join, by the way, it's totally free. You don't even have oh, to cool. pay for anything. It's discord.maxdrive.com. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, but the, we, we actually provide it as a public service. And I honestly do it because I'm like, look, sure, it's, it's, it's subsidized by the pharmaceutical aspect of what we're doing. but we're really trying to, we have a bigger mission out there, which is we're trying to promote a positive, healthy masculinity and, and make guys be better, right? Because I always joke around to people, I was like, if I double everyone's testosterone levels and they act like douchebags in the world, I haven't done any good, right, to the world, right? What, really what we're trying to do is initiate guys into like a healthy and mature masculinity, right? And that's, that's why I actually do all this content stuff. It's not just to explain the chemistry of enclomiphene, which is obviously important so people understand like, how much of a breakthrough blockbuster drug this is. Like this is a multi, this is like a multi-billion dollar opportunity. But really what we're trying to do is like, okay, great. Now you have higher testosterone. You can channel that energy for bad. You can become a bully, or you can obviously channel that energy for great. You can become a champion power lifter if you're trying to achieve that, like Ben is. Um, if you want to just be a better father, uh, you want to be, you know, a, a more productive, like, uh, you know, uh, worker and, and, you know, your, uh, achieve your professional mission in life. That I think is like the bigger mission of what we're trying to do. And that's why we do the community for free. I always tell people, look, if you join our community, you level up in terms of, you know, your diet, exercise, sleep, and focus. Um, great. If you want to buy the products, you can always do that. If not, then, you know, we've at least done some good in the world and helping people make positive health changes. And there's just like no outlet for that. Right. And the cool thing about that community is over a thousand guys on it. There's 18 year old college students who are just like trying to find their way in life to like 
New York hedge fund managers with three kids and they like providing mentoring, right? Because that's yeah. their way of giving back. Um, and everyone in between, like I had a guy who was just like, I want to, you know, uh, become a software engineer. I was like, great. We actually even have a professional development channel. We have a bunch wow. of engineers on there. They can like mentor you or like give you tips about finding a job or how to, you know, learn programming languages, all that kind of stuff. And obviously that starts to go beyond just like pure health. But I actually think, you know, social is health. Like interestingly, like uh, loneliness is the one of the best predictors of mortality. People underestimate that, right? Like all of us are sitting there obsessing about our lipid markers when really like your sense of loneliness is probably a better predictor than your LDL uh, in terms of your cardiovascular risk. Yeah, I think we've uh, learned that the last couple of years, sadly. Yeah, and unfortunately, yes, very much so during COVID. Um, and that's my that's my thesis too. It's like, look, it's not a replacement for real relationships and friends. You should go find the handful of close friends that are going to ride or die for you. But I do think there is a benefit to Sebastian Younger's point book, great book that you uh, bring out. And like, we've lost our sense of tribe, right? We no longer are in ancestral villages where your great grandpa is like buried and has multi generational family ties. So we have to recreate it. And I think the beauty of online, as as much you know, distraction as it provides is it also creates the opportunity to create new tribes. Like, it's awesome that I'm sitting here talking to you guys literally in a different state, thousands of miles away. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mike and I have kept in touch for over, the, over COVID and like built, you know, a, a little bond over, you know, the similar work that we were doing. Uh, and I think that's the beauty, right? Technology is just a tool. You can use it for bad or for good, just like testosterone. Uh, but I think if you have a, you know, positive sort of view of how you can use these things, you can use it in, in, in very, very productive ways. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. While you were saying that I, I joined the tribe, you've got right now a couple hundred people live, you know, chatting. That's that's, that's incredible. Is that really overwhelming? Or how does you how do you manage that or keep up with that? Uh, wow. You have to turn off awesome. the notifications for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, split apart in different channels. And that's the cool thing about what we do is everything's asynchronous, by the way. And this is the thing that I learned from Amada. We, we used to do like live coaching and I still do a little bit. Like I have a radio show Thursdays at six o'clock if people are interested. I actually coach people live just if people are curious. Oh, cool. We'll link to that too. We got a lot of links to, to collect yeah. here. So you know, we do that. That's also like a public service. I, I think, you know, it's just a good opportunity for people to talk about whatever is going on in their lives or they, you know, they talk about the latest magnesium acetyl torate that I'm a fan of. And, you know, we're going to have it in the next version of our supplement. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's the benefit of, um, uh, of doing all that is, uh, you know, provides a, a connection for people. So we, we, we kind of bundle all of this essentially into the, the Maximus King protocol. And that's, that's kind of my philosophy is like, look, if you really care about like holistic health, you got to address the biological, you got to address the psychological, you got to address the behavioral. And, and we try to do all that. And different guys will have different needs. We have some guys who come in, they're like, I already work out five days a week. My sleep's dialed in. I'm awesome. Just like, give me the pharmacological mm. stuff. Great. That's all they need. And there's a lot of guys who, yeah, we'll, we'll do that stuff too, but they honestly benefit a lot more from the coaching. So everyone's needs are different. And that's why I was talking about personalized medicine is, you know, people will take uh, and benefit from, you know, the, what's most helpful for them and actually addresses their underlying needs. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have more stuff coming out. So I'm guessing we're going to be able to get you back. We're at like the 90 minute mark almost here. So I'm guessing we're going to be able to get you back on here because there are other things to talk about, like your legendary dopamine fasting article um, and so many other things that you've done and covered. So I, it, this has been incredible. I don't, I don't have like any more questions really. Uh, 
I, I, I don't know. I've just soaked this up. This has been Thank great. You very much. Um, well, yeah, happy to happy to talk about dopamine fasting, which is the protocol for focus that I that I popularized worldwide. I'll, I'll just give you a sneak preview on that. It's yeah, kind of yeah. funny because people always talk about diet, exercise, and sleep as the foundational health behaviors. Nobody talks about focus. And there's obviously not a direct link between focus and testosterone. It's not like, you know, improving your focus is going to boost your T levels directly. But here's the funny thing. There's a study that was done on dopamine fasting. They had college students quit Facebook for two weeks. Um, they found that it saved 13 hours of time a week uh, because they're using it for about two hours a day, just like shy of it, 1.9 hours. But here's the interesting thing that happened. When they saved all that time, they started cooking, working out, doing all the other things. So it's almost like the foundational health behavior. If you can't control your focus, uh, as I like to say, a man distracted is a man defeated from the, the great movie, uh, main movie, Red Belt. Um, and so it's, it's really foundational. And obviously with like social media technology, we're all distracted. And so dopamine fasting is essentially a, pro a, pro a protocol to help you overcome the addictiveness of uh, behavioral addictions, which is not substance use or not just substance use or alcohol, but obviously social media, gaming, pornography, shopping, gambling, all the things that people are addicted to. Um, and to regain your attention away from sort of the things that steal it, quite frankly, uh, and make us very impulsive and compulsive creatures. Um, so if people are interested in that, they can Google my name and there's a dopamine fasting protocol. I'm happy to uh, go, go on your podcast and uh, kind of explain it in more detail. Um, and then just as a fun little giveaway, um, we do have more products coming in the pipeline. I'm happy to come back when we launch those and talk all about them. This is a sneak preview. We're going to have a, um, a, a, a sexual performance and enjoyment product that's beyond just ED medications. ED medications just increase blood flow. They're great for getting pumps at the gym and obviously better erections but they don't make sex better. Uh, we actually have a product that makes sex in, more enjoyable, increases emotional intimacy, and actually increases the strength of your orgasms. Is this uh, pharmaceutical or are we talking about a supplement? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, don't be uh, pushing That's a big claim. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was just concerned about the claims. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about the research behind it, but it, but it works tremendously well, um, which we're very, very excited about. And it also has other benefits too, like reduces blood pressure, um, has actually some interesting anti-aging and uh, uh, effects um, uh, potentially against dementia. Um, so uh, we're not gonna obviously make any uh, claims in terms of treating disease, but there's very promising research. So it's actually kind of interesting because you know ED drugs are general for people who have ED problems, um, but the uh, compounds and the combination of compounds that we're using actually are really like more in the uh, performance enhancement realm. Um, and so you don't have to have ED to take it. Um, we're also super excited about the hair and beard growth product that's prescription and it's not finasteride uh, and because there's no innovation in the industry. Everything out there is minoxidil or finasteride, which has been on the market for decades. Yep. Moderate, mild to moderate efficacy uh, don't help that much. Uh, potential side effects. We actually have a uh, it's a hormonal approach actually to addressing hair and beard growth. Uh, so you can take it, obviously, if you're losing hair or if you just want a thicker beard. Um, it actually can help with that as well. It's super cool. Uh, it is also a pharmaceutical prescription prescribed drug, um, but we'll be launching that in the next couple of months. So that's kind of the whole theme of the company. Everything that we do is hormonal um, because I think the, they're very promising class of compounds. Um, they have pretty wide and interesting effects all over the body. Um, and you can use it for all kinds of interesting things. That awesome. Is do you have five, do you have a few more minutes? I do have one more question yes. with enclomiphene. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, I didn't see this in any studies, the getting off of it. If, if, if someone were to get off of it, is there a study showing that it's an easy come down or that there's no like crazy after effects or anything? Is, is there research on that? Or is that more anecdotal from your experiences? 
No, I mean, it's a combination of things. Um, so yeah, uh, like if you look at the studies, they didn't require any discontinuation protocols, right? Right. Whereas, like HRT, you, you do have to like, you know, wean people off of it and, and do a post-cycle therapy. So, I mean, the studies itself, they, they never had to do that. Um, second, our clinical experiences, you know, we, we obviously do have some people who discontinue it for various reasons um, and they don't have any, they don't report any side effects. So we certainly have people who come off of it and then come back on. Um, often usually due to travel reasons, like they're going to a foreign country, we can't ship to foreign countries. Um, and so they'll stop for a little while and they'll come back. Um, but third, if you just understand the mechanism of action of how it works, like, like I said, because it's stimulating your own production, um, it's like essentially putting more fuel on the fire, right? So it, it, when you kind of take off a lighter fluid, your levels will just go back. There's no reason it should actually cause any uh, you know, withdrawal or dependence effects if you understand the pharmacology. Okay, yeah, I appreciate that. Because like a lot of guys like me, um you know, don't want to start on TRT because we know we're on the train for life. And, you know, that's, this is, that's why I want to ask that question because I think it gives an opportunity for someone to possibly dabble, but know that they might not have to do this for 40 years if they really don't exactly. want to. That's, that's, that's why we actually tell people one of the things we institute is a 90 day money back guarantee, but it's different than um, like most of the supplement people who say that just because you're like, ah, try it if you don't feel it. Ours is based on the lab test. Like I said, we test you before and after 30 days. Your testosterone levels will go up like 99% of the time. Um, some people, like I said, may need a medication adjustment dosage. So they might need, you know, one or two months of different dosages. So that's why we tell people, give it three months, give it 90 days, right? You might need one or two adjustments. Uh, but basically, if you try it and we, 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 you know, do one or two iterations, if your testosterone levels do not go up as validated by third-party lab tests, we'll give you all of your subscription feedback. That like we're so confident that essentially that it works and we'll prove it essentially quantitatively with data uh, that you never have to worry about oh I'm you know wasting my money on a supplement. Um, it is um, on obviously on the more expensive side, right? We charge like 150 a month for the the membership of our uh, clinic. It gives you you know access to the doctor, um, and then it's about 50 bucks a month on top of that for the medications and supplements that we provide and the coaching. So it comes out to about 200 a month. Um, it's basically in par with any other hormone replacement uh, clinic if you went out there and tried to get TRT. Because remember, like you're getting a doctor, you're getting labs, you're getting medications, you're getting supplements, getting coaching. It's like people should really think about it as a whole package. It's obviously way more than any other supplement is, but that's because it works. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for those extra few minutes. I, this is, yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> ben, anything else? Are you ready to close down here? Uh, you, you, so I just, I always want to bring this up. A lot of people will ask if, uh, if insurance will have anything to do with this, if this, is, this is completely out of pocket, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. It's cash pay because what we're doing is more on the, the realm of performance enhancement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And elective as well. Yeah. For most people. So, so, but you know, I think, you know, if you're thinking about like, you know, uh, your health and, and most guys are, are willing to do that, uh, it's a pretty good investment. I, I, yeah, I, you don't have to tell me that I see all the extra benefits that you get as well. Um, and plus as someone who's on TRT, I know the value of having that, you know, optimal level of testosterone. It changes the way that you live your life entirely. Um, so for, for people who may be suffering from that deficiency of testosterone, they don't feel great, but they don't understand how much better they will feel when they're at the right level. Um, but we all, we always get questions anytime we talk about TRT or anything about insurance because it's a medical type discussion. So yeah, absolutely. Just want yeah. to hear that. And it's interesting too. I'll leave you with one last note because you, you mentioned the powerlifting that you do. Um, one of the things that, I, that got me really excited about the company was, um, you know, I, I tell this story. There's this really interesting BBC documentary about hormones. Mm. And um, this professor was talking about how like testosterone is like destiny, essentially. He was like, 
um, you're, when you're in your mother's womb, you get exposed to what's called intrauterine testosterone, like literally like, uh, you know, when you're, you're floating around in the fluid and it, it dictates essentially your 4D to 2D digit ratio. It's the ratio between these two fingers. And it basically tells you if this long, this finger, your uh, ring finger is longer than your pointer finger, that you were exposed to a decent amount of testosterone. And the longer this finger is compared to your pointer finger, the more testosterone you were exposed to. And it's basically like a kind of a, a physiological sign of how high T you are, right? Or how much of an alpha male you are. And so he went to actually a track team and measured just their fingers. He didn't even measure their testosterone levels, just their fingers, because it's a good proxy, right? Cool. And he was like, all right, from top to bottom, these are the guys who have the, the best 2D, 4D digit ratio. And I predict these guys are the best athletes. He had them run a race and he was like 75% right, which is, it blew my mind because I was like, man, just the amount of testosterone you're exposed to in the womb, which shows up in how long your fingers are, basically predict your athletic performance. This guy, this guy didn't know anything about these guys, their previous race history, how tall they were, wow. how hard they trained. And it actually made me sad because I was like, does that mean no matter how hard you try and how hard you train, <laughs> Like it's almost predestined, right? right. You won the genetic lottery in terms of your testosterone. And if you didn't guess what, you get to be last place in the race. Right. And that was, that's, that's your, that's the cards that you're dealt with in life. But literally for the first time in history, you have the ability to take control of your own destiny. And if you're on the lower end of the testosterone spectrum, you don't have to be anymore. And you can go from literally being a low performer to a high performer. And if you think about that as very profound implications for society in terms of, well, if you ever watched the movie Gattaca, right, and things like that. Great you're not, movie, yeah. You're not, you're not just stuck being sort of the inferior sort of brother. Um, and I, I really think like that's kind of what we're, we're doing. We're empowering guys to be like, look, yeah, even if you got the short straw in life, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, and, and you can do better. Wow, incredible. Well, awesome. Thank you for that. Woo, I'm like ready to go right now. I, I, I trained today. I'm, like, I'm ready to go back. Awesome. All right. Well, folks, so yeah, how, how do people follow you? We haven't talked about your, your Twitter feed. The, leave us with uh, any, the website, the Twitter, all that stuff. Yeah. So check out our website. It's MaximusTribe.com. As I mentioned, we're in 13 states. If we're not in your state yet, just get on our mailing list and we'll let you know. We're you know aggressively expanding as soon as we can. Um, you can follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. It's Dr. Cam Maximus uh, is my Twitter handle. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active. I'll respond to any questions. And then, as I mentioned, join our community is the best way to, to reach me and also get connected with all the other guys. Uh, there's a lot of other, we have like professional, personal trainers, physicians, uh, a, a lot of interesting uh, guys in our community that have all kinds of interesting like backgrounds and expertise that, that even go beyond mine. Um, you can join that at discord.maximustribe.com. Uh, and as I mentioned, I have my radio show every Thursday, six o'clock Pacific. So if you have any questions that you want to talk through live, happy to provide that for free. And where, where is that radio show linked from? Um, you can join it through all of our channels. We have it. Oh, okay. Yep. Instagram, YouTube, live, discord, clubhouse, you name it. We stream it. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been most excellent, incredible episode. We'll uh, have a very detailed show notes for with all these links and everything. And that's, that's all I have. Thank you so much awesome. for your time. I know how valuable it is. And uh, we really got a lot out of this one. Awesome. Yeah. So, so great to join you. I, I love what you guys are doing. And I, I always like respected you so much, Mike, for literally like testing the products, like, you know, showing the results on your, your ketone meters and telling people whether stuff works. And I, you know, I, I hope that people, you know, 
learned a lot through this podcast uh, about sort of like the chemistry and physiology uh, of, of testosterone and that there really are effective, safe, science-backed solutions uh, that actually work. Um, and that's the beauty and, 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 you know, revolution of sort of modern medicine. Absolutely. So thank, thank you so you. much.